Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 300. So that's kind of a momentous thing on our way to 400. Uh, today's episode is going to be along the troubleshooting lines, uh, but I got a very specific question about one of the prior podcasts on uh, running blinds. And I asked this person if it would be okay if I addressed their question uh, in a podcast because I suspect that a lot of people, uh, or at least some people, may have heard this and gone, nah, that's, that's not right. So I just wanted to talk about it, and I'll, just, I'll read the question exactly. Uh, you were talking about cold blinds, and you said you never call a dog back on a blind. Let's just say virtually never. There's, there's no such thing as never. Uh, if a dog takes a bad line right off, I call them back and start again. I assumed this would be called attrition and was correct action. Can you enlighten me on when to use attrition? So really good question. Um, and he said, sure, I could answer that on here. And for all you Colorado guys, no, it's none of you, but it might as well be because it probably fits. Um, because I think that's what everybody does. You know, I've seen, I've been in the, when the, the field trial guys are all around and everybody's training and then they call them back sometimes four or five times. Um, and I remember when I really, really got into this, or this particular aspect of a concept that goes across the board was I was uh, with a bunch of field trial people and they were training. And uh, I was sitting behind them. I'm not sure what I was doing. Uh, but I always watch. <laughs> I'm either throwing birds or watching. So I was sitting back there, probably racking birds and watching. And this this was an amateur, not a pro, but it doesn't make any difference. He learned it from his pros. And he had his dog. He was getting ready to run a big old, one of those big old, long, super technical, hard blinds, you know, way out there. And I just looked down, and his dog was pointed about 20 degrees off to the left, which, of course, is right where the dog went, right? Called it back. Brought it back in. This time we're 15 degrees off to the left. Sends the dog. That's where it goes. Calls it back. Then on the third time when that happened, when he had him lined up a, a little off kilter, then the dog went where it was pointed like they're supposed to do. Well, this time we got called back ugly with collar pressure. And, and, the, and I finally just got up and walked somewhere else because I just couldn't watch this anymore. In my book, it was just dog abuse. <laughs> just, the dog's going where he's pointed and then he gets in trouble so I you know I was like gee I wonder what he thinks the dog is supposed to do so that's when I really started and that was I don't know a couple decades ago probably but that's when I really started thinking about this it's like okay here's this person who thinks the dog is not doing things right when actually the dog was doing exactly what it was supposed to told him where he was going to go and then got in trouble for it. So I just wondered, you know what, I wonder what this dog makes of it. Generally, when that's the kind of training, which is fairly common, when that kind of training happens, I th they have to be going out there and just kind of hoping for the best. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm just trying. And, and I, you know, some days I try and it's good. Nothing happens to me. And other days I try and it's bad. So I just hope it's a good day. I, I, I can't think of anything else. They can't. There was nothing for that dog to learn. There was nothing that needed to be corrected in the dog. 
And yet that happens a zillion, zillion times. So with this question, and I don't know that it has anything to do with attrition, because attrition means instead of using pressure and ugly stuff, you just, you know, stay at it and, and, and keep going. Uh, I think that's what people think attrition is. Um, I, I'm not, that, I don't think calling them back is attrition. I don't, I, I don't know what the name is. I don't care. I don't, all these years in the business and I still don't know how to use the terminology everybody likes. So here's what, why I don't call them back. So given that situation I just told you, which was a fairly obvious one, if anybody kind of knew what they were looking at, it would have been fairly obvious. So where I address this with myself for years and with people that I train. So there are lining drills. I even hate bringing up drills because that's everybody's happy spot. But let's just take a lining drill and I have a particular one that I really like that, I, you know, I teach to the people that I, that I teach. Uh, we call it the 10-point drill. It's got five white, white, five orange. And no, they're not orange ones between the white. It's not that kind of baseball diamond thing that everybody has done for 60 years. But it's one I learned from a field trial, a very good field trial pro out of Montana, I'm going to say over 30 years ago. I learned that. And in doing it, and I still do it to this day, and I still teach it to everybody, it has very little to do with the dog. It is not teaching the dog things. Dogs learn stuff. But it's all about the handler. And it's a lining drill where you've got these things, and I'm not going to get into the details of it. There's all kind of ways to find out what it is. But anyway, it's, here's a lining drill. And it, presumably your dog is at the level, right, that it understands it goes on back. It understands I go over there and I get the bumper to which I'm pointed and I come back. And when you start it, you make it far apart and, you know, where they clearly understand you're sending them here, sending them there. And then as the dog and you get better and better, you push them a little further out and get them real close together. And back when I was running field trail dogs, um, I there were some where I could do it probably, I'm going to say, 20 yards away. And there was maybe two feet, three feet between them, maybe, in between them. And I could and I could pick up the exact one for which I sent. So at that point, now that's fairly, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. All you're doing is moving their eyes. Because at that distance and that separation, their body's pretty much pointed the same way. But it's what they're looking at. And it's, so a couple things happen. And in this, I'm not promoting this drill. I'm just using this to tell you to explain the answer to this question. In doing this drill, as you make it increasingly uh, more challenging, what happens is the communication and the understanding between you and your dog grows and grows and grows. And so I have a number of dog buddies and, and clients who got super good at it just super good and you're not and then when they get really good i say you only have you can only speak 10 times on this drill right well there's only there's 10 bumpers out there so that's back 10 times so they need to kind of come in and they need to line up correctly and you need to be able to get them to look where you want merely by body movement so the point of working so hard on things like this is because this. So people, um, people 
dogs, we, we speak, you know, that's how we do stuff. We speak, right? We tell, we, I say, all right, we're going to do the 10 point drill and da 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 and that's how and you need to have it and this is this how far and this is what you do and then you say this and you do that right that's how we communicate that is not how dogs communicate dogs communicate with their bodies that's all they get well unless they growl or bark or bite you i guess that's another form but in general dogs communicate with their bodies they tell you how they're feeling they tell you what they're thinking and they tell you where they're going to go. And when you spend a lot of time with them, which would be a form of attrition, you learn their language. You learn exactly what they mean when the nose hooks over to the right or the shoulder leans down to the right or the head is kind of drooped down and they're not. They tell you, you learn what they're saying. You actually have to do that. It's not like you got a dog bot and you just power it on and go out and do some of this stuff. right? You have to learn what the dog is telling you. And when you begin to do, for example, this lining drill, or just a very simple one, five white bumpers out there, far enough apart that's clearly different, and you began to teach them. You know, when I point you at that white bumper, that's where you go. People are always into the trick stuff. Okay, let's get a white bumper, orange, right, right between them deep, see if we can send them. They got all this trick stuff. And it's before you do any trick stuff, trick stuff's fine, make sure that when you sit there and point them at this white bumper, that they understand that's the one they go get. Not the one of the other ones that looks far more enticing. And there's always one out there just calling to them. I don't, I don't understand some kind of dog bumper thing. But here's where you get the, the dog is telling you, I really want that one over there on the right that I'm not pointed at. That's the one I really like. In the beginning, they're that way. right? And you have to do something, whether it's move closer to the one you want them to get, step up, whatever it is. You do what it takes. And you, too, begin to develop a language of communication and a fundamental understanding. They know that when you just step up two inches, assuming they're on the left side, that you have now moved their focus to the left. Or if you step back two inches, you have moved their focus, you've opened it up to the right. They don't come knowing that. They learn that. You develop that communication. That doesn't even require a word. One, that's just basic obedience, you guys, which if you don't have basic obedience, you shouldn't be doing any of this stuff till you get that. So that bodily communication that you, one, begin in basic obedience. The other thing you teach them in basic obedience is when you come back, you come in into heel position and you line up square the way I'm facing. Now, if you're dancing around and talking and barking out commands and stuff, there is no way for them to come in and line up square with where you're facing. And you need to teach them that it is their job to come in and line up squarely with you. It's their job, not yours. If every time they come in, they start to stick crooked, and then you get them fixed, and then, all right, you're teaching them that, just do whatever you want, I'll fix it. All right, then that's what they're going to do. They're going to do whatever they want and let you fix it. You don't have to have it that way. You can just teach them, come in with me, nice and square, boom. See where you're pointed? That's where you're going. That's basic obedience. It has nothing to do with blinds or anything. So 
that's a very important part to have that. You don't do the work for them. You teach them to take the responsibility, and then they do it. And in all this work that you're doing with them, you know what they're thinking. You learn. You learn what they're doing. When they come in and they point at that third one over on the right that they really want, they're telling you, I want that one. Right? Therefore, you now step in in a body way, a body way, right, and, t- and step up so that you have influenced them to the left. If they're still going to go to that one on the right, do we take, you know, go six feet forward towards the bumper you're sending them for. Teach them. You know, even though you really like that third one over there on the right, this is the one you're going to get. And you don't do it by pressure. There's no electricity in this kind of stuff. This is a teaching and developing the language of communication between the two of you. But at this level, it requires strong, basic obedience. So that when you say here or heel and they're next to you, they scooch a little to the right or a little to the left. If you can't do that, then I don't know how you're going to have a lot of success running blinds. So again, the lining drill is where I like to set up this communication on the line. And they know what I want, and I know what they want. And then I respond to what they want. And that story I told there in the beginning where I was watching this guy had his dog about 15 degrees off, um, and the dog went 15 degrees off the line, that the, the initial line that the guy wanted, and the dog got in trouble. There's nothing that dog could do to fix that. Nothing. The dog did not need to be corrected. The dog was not doing anything wrong. What was wrong was he had no idea. He was thinking about the blind. He put his hand down. The dog's looking some, you know, wherever. And he thought everything was great. He wasn't paying any attention to the dog. One, he should have known. This dog always goes right where he's pointed. That's just what he does. That's how he was trained. He goes where he's pointed. And I have him pointed a little off. Didn't even take time to notice that. So whose fault was this that this dog got dramatically corrected for enough I had just walked away? Whose fault was it? His. All right? Whose fault was it? His. When you're doing a lining drill and your dog really wants the third one on the right and you're doing the outside one on the left and he gets the third one on the right, whose fault is that? Okay? He told you he wants that one. And if you didn't step in and go, I understand you want that one, this is the one you're going to get in a way that the dog got the idea, understood, and you could prevail. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. But if you have him pointed at the left one, but he's telling you, just keeps looking over at the right, keeps looking over at the right, he's going to go over there to the right. So, okay, that's so the drills, you teach this form of communication. If you go out on and run blinds, and like the question was about calling them back, Right, it's when they go wrong a little bit, at some place in there, they told you where they were going to go, especially if they're trained to this level. They told you if, you if you're just engaged in listening and paying attention to the dog more than anything else, and you walk up there, that dog is going to, they look out, they get whatever kind of dog picture they get. I don't know what it is. They get whatever that is, they get that, and they will very subtly communicate to you what they're thinking either that either that or you've so much created a habit of not noticing stuff and so the dog is kind of on their own to do the right thing and they got to make the right choice you don't always let's say you never have them pointed perfectly straight 
So they're used to sometimes you're lucky and when you take off, it's good. And sometimes when you're lucky, you take off, it's not lucky, it's bad. You might have taught it that way so they don't even work hard to go where it is you haven't pointed. So, and then I don't know how they're, it, that's ever supposed to get better unless you just run 10,000 blinds and pretty soon that mistake avenue gets a little bit narrow and narrower. I guess that would be attrition, right? But that can be mostly avoided with the with the fundamental work ahead of time of really communicating with this dog, here's where I want you to go. And when they go wrong, assuming you're, you've got fundamentals and you've done stuff, it is your fault. And where you learn that is on doing these very difficult, challenging lining drills and not challenging by having the orange one between the white ones. I mean, that's part of it. But just start with white ones. Can you just put five bumpers out and use five words and never have to say heel or sit or anything? You know, then narrow them up. Keep working on it. And it has to be done in a systematic way, not just random. This one, that one, this one. They want that one. It'll be the last one they get. They need to pick it up in a systematic order always so that you know they know what your expectations are. But that again, that's drill science, and I'm not going to get into that. So why do I never call dogs back? Because, one, I work really hard to get them going where I want them to go to begin with. In other words, I view that as my responsibility, not theirs. They're just the dog. They're just doing the stuff I've taught them. So if the dog just takes off where... Now, when they're young, you guys, when they're little, you know, learning blinds, they're just, they're going. We're happy about that. Okay, we're happy about that. Don't sit there and fuss with a young dog because they're like, oh my God, what's happening? The best thing to do is teach them. You walk up, you sit down, I tell you back, you go. We'll work the rest out later so that they understand that's how blinds are. Then you begin to teach them in your fundamentals how to go where they're pointed and lined up and how to do subtlety and all that. So if you're calling a dog back, uh, and again, and there may be some extenuating circumstance, so I'm going to say not never, but I'll say just about never. If I get a little bad uh, initial line, I put the responsibility on myself because that's where it belongs and I'm going to get better at getting good initial lines on this dog, teaching them in a place that doesn't make blinds icky. And also the calling them back, calling them back thing can teach, not always, different with different dogs, can teach a couple things. One, it can teach, you know, if you're not, you know, it might be good, might not. That's a big momentum killer, right? And so they're just out there, and if they're not real clear on stuff, then they're hoping, and then they're worried. And we've all seen that at events where dogs go out with their shoulders up and their ears down and their heads down because they're scared. Oh, God, I hope this is right. Um, you know, and if that's what you like, cool, go for it. But, well, I don't actually don't think that. But, but if you do a little bit more work, you can have a dog that has a lot of confidence running blinds, takes off like a whatever its version of rocket speed is, and feels confident in what it's doing. So the bottom line, why do I not send dogs, call the dogs back? Because I'm not going to correct or punish them for mine not being good enough at what I'm doing. Either I just didn't pay enough attention, like that guy I told you that had his dogs 15 degrees off, you know, because you're not paying attention, the dog has to pay the price. Or because I haven't done my upfront work well enough to make sure this dog is clear on what I want to do. So in the beginning, you know, I'll take 
kind of a just go <laughs> go and we'll work it out and as they get better and better you know that how where they can go narrows and narrows and how it winds up narrowing is by running a lot of blinds and two by doing that preliminary work so we have that language of communication and because they completely trust me when I when I just step up just the tiniest bit not those big huge things where people you know look like they're on a snowboard or something I, I mean you just take a slightest step up and their little focus just kicks over to the left ever so slightly can you get that on a young dog yes you can um, and it's not by correcting them it is by teaching them and when you undertake I don't care if it's blind running or these drills the responsibility for the success or failure of this is 100% sitting on your shoulders not the dogs so when you make a mistake, even if you're not aware of what mistake you made, and you know that happens to us a lot, if you're not aware of the mistake you made, um, then you need to get better. <laughs> you need to go back to these drills and find out, have somebody film you doing it. And you can see that you always do, you know, you do this scuff thing or you do this knee thing or you bend way over them in the way or something that you do that's influencing them in a way of which you were unaware. It's always going to be that. So if you're not in a training group where, you know, you can ask people to look at you or watch you, go set your phone up behind you, turn it on record, and go do this stuff, and honestly evaluate what you're doing and see where the problem is with, that you are doing that is teaching this dog to be very nonspecific, or at least not specific enough on taking off on these things. So... That's the answer to that one. And it, it's an unpleasant answer because it puts the responsibility entirely on the handler and not on the dog. But, you know, that's kind of my philosophy on these things. And for the record, I'm going to say that goes with, uh, let's say, line manners, stuff on, the, stuff on that, uh, honoring line manners. Certainly goes on handling and casting and all that stuff where everybody wants to correct. That's my most, most commonly asked question. How do I correct this? You know, for which I almost never have an answer. It's like, I don't know. Teach better? Or you got, you got, you've got to do better to have that dog do better. But on the basic obedience, and let's just talk about line manners. Line manners. You know, you're up on the line and you got a you know, big old tough triple, or I don't care, even just a blind next to a mark or something like that. And you, you, you the dog is coming back from, from the mark, and now you're going to go do the blind it's really nice you may train differently from this it's really nice when they come back from the mark and you're exactly facing where either the next mark or the blind is going to be or whatever it is and they just wheel in on their own without being helped assisted directed or otherwise controlled they just wheel into the correct position when they do not wheel into the correct position it is because they don't have to and the reason they don't have to is because you have never consistently shown them this is how this works. This is what you do. And then I'm going to put the responsibility over onto you, dog, where you need to do this without me telling you. Is that done by punishment and correction? Very little to no. It is done by insisting that they do it right the first time. So in the beginning, when you're trying to teach a dog to return to you and come into the correct position, have a little tab or something on their, on their collar 
so that you can assure that they do come into the correct position. And then you consistently have them do that, and then that becomes what they do. But what you see more often than not is dogs come wheeling in, or the one I can't stand the most, they come wheeling in, they're on the wrong side, and they run around behind you, and there's all this stuff going on that's not what they need to be doing. And everybody patiently waits for them to get vague, pretty much over where they need to be, and then they fix the position. And they think they're training their dog. And they are. <laughs> they're training the dog. Yeah, listen, I'll do all the work for you. Pretty much do whatever you want. And for everybody who's pretty darn good, and this includes all of us that have done it for a long, long time, watch that. What do you have? Do, are you used to your dog coming in and then you fix it? All right, you fix it. Therefore, they don't have to. They have not been taught this is how this works. And I'm not talking about drill sergeant, there's hell to behave if you don't. It's, I'm not talking about any of that. It's just like through consistency, this is what you do. Here's what you do. Now, that takes a lot on your part, <laughs> which is why it often doesn't happen because you're busy training, you know, you're trying to get ready for something or you're working on this you know, oh, we got this concept out here in the field we're working on. You know, we got this hip pocket. I don't care what it is. You're working on the delayed triple and you're all into that. So you're not paying attention to this stuff going on on the line. When you do start paying attention to that is when you go out in the event. Because your your dog was, you had to work with them and then you got frustrated and they got frustrated and you had to handle more. You had to handle on the mark and you, you know, it, and you know what? Who's that? Again, that darn dog, right? No, it's because when you're training, you're all into your indented triple or whatever it is, and you're not into making sure that this dog is doing all of the work, simple, easy, straightforward work itself, so that things are simple in the way they need to be. The more you fuss with them, the more you pull the focus and intensity off of what's carrying out the task at hand. Now, I have seen some dogs. I remember... Um, board out for it <laughs> watching that his handler dog did not need a handler dog didn't really have a handler his owner <laughs> the dog was so good that he could do anything and he just tolerated you know but he just handed the bird to the guy that was pretty much his own only purpose so are there some extreme dogs that uh subtlety you just just let him do their thing oh yeah imagine how good he'd have been with somebody that had subtlety he'd have won the national he never did, but, I, you know, they lost that one little edge on there where you could just, dog was as talented as they possibly come, but if you just get a little bit of that, ooh, chaos, lack of complete focused thought, you know, stuff, stuff isn't always good. And for those of us, you know, with regular dogs running hunt tests or trying to get qualified all age or whatever we're doing, you simplify all of your teaching and all of your stuff, one, if you take full responsibility for what the dog is doing when they mess up or don't do something right question what you have done to create that situation and what you're going to do to make it better what you always see is your dog goes you know you're doing this indented or inverted triple or whatever it was concept and they didn't do very well and by god we're going to do that again you don't even know it's the fact that all the fussing on the line and the line, you had them off a little bit, lined up wrong. They were looking at it. They were lined somewhere else, so they kind of split the difference. That's all you. 
And so, it, one, if you can take the responsibility for being the teacher, not the corrector, not the prison guard, but the teacher, if you can do that, put all, and I'm going to say all the responsibility on you, but that's going to make it a lot easier for your dog because they're not always confused by what's happening or just unclear and to go, well, this is just how it is. Just run like heck. <laughs> just go. <laughs> and then hope for the best. You just don't have to have that. So that's the taking responsibility yourself for what's happening. And then the other thing is to realize that what your dog is doing is only what you've taught. It's only what you've taught. And you need to transfer the responsibility from doing it for them like they come in funny and then you fix it and set them up the right way. How about if you teach them to take the responsibility to come in and set up the correct way? Not by correcting them when they don't, but by showing this is what you do. This is what you do. Instead of the, the other thing, which is, if you don't do it wrong, this is what you get. And then they're supposed to figure out from that exactly what you want. So, I don't know, wouldn't work with me if you were teaching me anything. I'd bite. But if you teach them, this is what I want. This is what you need to do. That's what tabs and leashes and things like that are for. This is what you do. And then consistently, even when your mind is all on something else, you do not lose that insistence on them doing the right thing on their own. So people that have trouble with dogs at the end of a blind and they get kind of independent and they auto-cast, right? They just kind of do their own thing and or decide they're going to go to the left regardless of what you're doing. You know where a lot of times that stuff starts? Right back there on the line. When you're trying to, you're, when they're doing kind of whatever they want because they can, because you've taught them, yeah, this is kind of try hard, and if I get really mad, then you better listen, but otherwise, yeah, whatever. It, when you get that up on the line, then it goes out, and the further they are from you, the more <laughs> increased it is, <laughs> the worse it is oftentimes. And, you know, so then when my dog, he's autocasting, he's doing this and that, it's like, oh, get him this way. Do it. <laughs> There's all this punishment stuff. And most of the time, it was something that they learned from you, but the dog gets punished. I don't know. I just don't know how people think that works. Usually people with problems always have the problems. That's it. People with dogs that break a lot, all their dogs break. I guess they're unlucky. They just get the wrong one every time, right? People whose dogs break all the time. People who have trouble, you know, dogs run pokey blinds. All their dogs always run pokey blinds. Whatever, if their dogs are kind of difficult on the line, all their dogs are kind of difficult on their line. And yet, there's no introspection. There's no like, why are all my dogs doing this? I can remember one time, embarrassing, embarrassing. My last year of competing all the time, and I had a bunch of really nice dogs, and I can't remember now. They were all doing something. Um, they were all doing something on blinds, just something. I can't remember what it is. Maybe I'm conveniently forgetting it. But they were all doing it. And, you know, and nobody's nobody sitting around is going to blame me, right, because I'm supposed to know stuff. And <laughs> they're looking at that going, what am I doing? Has <laughs> everybody doing this? Because that was it. It was something... And it just goes to show, guys, everybody does stuff that's not perfect. We're, we're just humans. We're all trying to get better. But it's easier to get better when you sit there and go, what have I done to create this issue? 
Now, I have the luxury of a lot of dogs, and when a lot of dogs are doing the same thing, it ain't the dogs. And if you just have one or two, then it's always the dog, right? But it's not. So I hope <laughs> I hope that answers that. You probably already turned it off. It's like enough already. But it's a uh, it's attrition is you know if if attrition means work more without pressure and and do do more stuff. I'm for that in terms of do a lot of blinds. But in terms of your standard, no drop in the standard. Have a very high standard. But but when they make mistakes or what you perceive as a mistake, it's yours. And you look at it with yours, what have I done? And what can I do to fix this situation so my dog understands exactly what I'm asking? Uh, you get things solved. And on a permanent basis, <laughs> it won't keep happening because you figured out what the cause was and you addressed the cause. So that's my answer to why I don't call dogs back on blinds unless it's something just atrocious. You know, they went 180 degrees or I whatever. But usually I'm not running blinds if they're going to do that. Have them ready. Establish that communication. It is not verbal. So everybody that loves to be barking at commands, it's a lot more they're going to tell you with their body and their eyes and their mind, if you're tuned in, what they want to do. And I'm just saying mind. If you've ever run a lot of dogs, and I can remember, you know, when you just train for years and years and years and run, run some dogs for years and years, you just feel exactly what they're going to do you know exactly what cast to give them 120 yards out there because you know you know because there's just so much time spent together you know what they're thinking you know if they're going to pop before they're going to pop and so you can connect with these dogs on a non-verbal even non-body language by knowing each other really well but that requires spending time focusing on what they're telling you and responding to that instead of just driving the ship over whatever's in front of it just thump thump and just keep going so i hope that works there's the answer be back next week uh with some more troubleshooting stuff but that's this week's wishing everybody uh a continued good new year and stay safe happy and warm